Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, 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 and welcome to a special edition of our live show. Now, right now, as I talk and as you listen, a bloodbath is taking place in Gaza and beyond. Now, that bloodbath concerns you for two principal reasons. Firstly, your humanity, that you should abhor suffering and death imposed upon your fellow innocent civilians, wherever they are. But secondly, and this is extremely important, because this bloodbath is happening with the direct complicity, complicity and involvement of Western governments. Even if you were to strip away the power dynamics at play, which would leave you unable to understand a single thing happening right now, our governments do not back or arm Hamas. They arm and back Israel. Now, the vast majority of us were disgusted by the atrocities committed by Hamas against Israeli civilians. What we are now seeing is a military superpower unleash unimaginable horror against a strip of land around the size of Washington, D.C., a tiny strip of land which has been subjected to a 15-year blockade by land, air and sea, a brutal siege which under international law is under occupation with Israel in control of its water food, the works. Now, senior Israeli government officials and figures have declared a total siege, cutting off all electricity, water and food. This is collective punishment and that is illegal under international law. It is a war crime. They are issuing blood-curdling threats to reduce Gaza to a city of tents, for example. They have ordered Gazans to flee, but it is impossible to flee Gaza. It is the world's largest open-air prison. Now, right now, many hundreds of civilians are dying, including at least 300 children. Now, 80% of Gazans depend on international humanitarian assistance to survive. Around half of the population of Gaza are children. That context is crucial, and there is an attempt by much of the media to strip any context as somehow being apologism. What Palestine has been subjected to is the longest occupation in modern times. Now, before these horrifying and truly repulsive events occurred, around 96% of those who had died in the last 15 years were Palestinians. That isn't to minimise the deaths of anyone, but it is important to emphasize the humanity of Palestinians, which has been stripped away entirely. Before the atrocity committed by Hamas, this year alone, 248 Palestinian civilians were killed, 40 of them children. And it is controversial, even outrageous in this climate, to say that Palestinian lives matter. They are of equal inherent worth to an Israeli civilian life, a British civilian life, an American civilian life. But that is not how this is being treated. The media in this country are not accepting the equal humanity of the Palestinian people. In no way is that reflected in their coverage. And that goes for politicians. Our government, the Conservative government in Britain, and the opposition Labour Party are supporting what Israel is unleashing, which is in violation of international law. 
Now, treating life as inferior to another because of their inherent racialized, of, of racialized characteristics, there is a word for that, and it is called racism. And that racism is defining the way that this is being covered. Now, in this show and beyond, I will be elevating the voices we need to hear from. I will be using my channel as best I can in the coming days and weeks and months to elevate those voices. Palestinians in the Middle East and elsewhere, Israeli peace activists, and we will try and offer an alternative to the coverage we are seeing on much of the mainstream media as best I can. I have tried to battle um, myself on Sky News the other day. Many of you may have seen Margaret Hodge, a former Labour MP. I uh, denounced Hamas's atrocity at late great length. And as soon as I spoke about the suffering imposed upon the Palestinian people, I was shouted down. Now, we will stick to the facts. Facts matter in horrors such as this. They can become a matter of life and death. Now, before I bring in our first brilliant guest, let's just hear from Al Jazeera's Gaza correspondent, Yunmer El Sayed, just to provide some context about what Gaza is currently enduring. Uh, bombardments are still very heavy. Artillery shells and gunboats still uh, uh, bombarding many homes in the Gaza Strip. What we're seeing is the uh, carpet bombardment strategy that Israel is using, which means that it is uh, uh, leveling entire neighborhoods, bombarding the entire neighborhoods with all its buildings, like what is happening now in several neighborhoods, what happened in Karama yesterday neighborhood, today in Al-Mukhabarat neighborhoods, Haras Ra'is uh, neighborhood. Uh, the, uh, these are all residential neighborhoods that I'm talking about in Gaza City itself. And the bombardment is still going on very intensively, not just from the air, but from the air, from the sea and from the uh, land uh, through the tank shells that are targeting many areas now. Now, if you're watching, please like and subscribe and uh, support the video because we're trying to elevate these voices. So do share this video far and wide. I know the vast majority of you don't watch live, um, but do like and uh, share the video as best you can. And let's make sure we get the voices that need to be heard, heard as widely um, as uh, possible. Um, and I should say just quickly a note about what the journalists are going through. S several Palestinian journalists have been killed. Um, it's extremely dangerous, obviously, to be in Gaza. Several medics have been killed. A medic, uh, someone, sorry, an activist I know, I've known for many years, their friend who is a senior medic has just been killed um, in Gaza. Um, UN officials are being killed. I mean, that itself, I think, just is testament to the sort of indiscriminate slaughter that we're seeing. Uh, you can also use Super Chat to put um, questions to the guests and support the show. Now, I'm going to bring in Samit Michaeli from uh, Betzlem, who are an incredible human rights organization in Israel itself. And I have to say, Samit, your, your work is courageous at the best of times, and it isn't easy, and um, it couldn't be harder still. Um, so it's it's an honor to have you with us, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this is the first live show I've done since the atrocities began. So I do want to begin with what we know about um, the attack from Hamas um, and the, the reality on the ground. So just what, if you could just explain what what do we know in terms of the attack on on civilian lives and the atrocities committed, because it is important that we that we speak truthfully and honestly about. Um, the whole range of events. So if you could just explain what do we we know has has, has has dreadfully occurred. Yeah, no, I totally agree that we have to, to talk about the facts as horrific and as difficult and as dissonance invoking 
they might as they might be. Um, so on Saturday morning, uh, there was a very very large scale invasion of uh, Hamas militants into southern Israel, accompanied with a massive bombardment. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of the details, uh, but because they're also still. Uh, emerging. We did not know anything in the first few hours and slowly the picture emerged of massive carnage of civilians, of attacks uh, directed against homes in the Gaza perimeter, in communities in the Gaza perimeter, uh, in civilians in those homes and against uh, civilians in various other uh, slightly larger communities a bit further off uh, Gaza and also against a very large number, hundreds of, uh, of young Israelis in a rave in a, in a party that was uh, held in that area. Uh, and we're talking about a, a planned and organized and orchestrated attack. I think it's very important to uh, acknowledge this um, because there have been also uh, discussions now that some of these, uh, you know, horrors, atrocities, war crimes that have been committed were kind of like the initiative of individuals. I think that's a quite a shameful accusation. Uh, there were, uh, they were conducted by uh, the military uh, wing of Hamas and also I think of Islamic uh, Jihad that has a very clear uh, um, a command chain, right? These are planned, premeditated attacks. Uh, there's also a lot of the very credible reports by credible journalists and reporters who show, who demonstrated uh, examples. For example, a large number of uh, cars, vans that were used to bring in these militants into Israel, uh, equipment that they used. Uh, so all of this was clearly premeditated. And in a in addition to this massive killing, uh, deliberate, willful killing of civilians, there were also uh, attacks uh, against uh, the military infrastructure and against soldiers uh, that led, I think, to the basically to the collapse of any sort of military response um, of the Israeli security forces. Additionally, it is emerging now, or it has emerged, that many uh, military units were transferred from the Gaza perimeter to the West Bank uh, in order to uh, safeguard various settlement and settler activities in the days and uh, weeks uh, before this attack. Uh, and one cru crucial issue additionally to mention was that the militants and possibly other Palestinians who entered Israel also uh, uh, kidnapped uh, over 150 Israeli civilians, the numbers are not clear yet. Again, women, in some cases, children and toddlers, in some cases, uh, the elderly and people who were ill and need uh, treatment, and they were they are currently held uh, in the Gaza Strip and their whereabouts unknown. I think, again, the, the, in, in the absolute horrors of what has been uh, happening in the south of Israel is just slowly uh, trickling out and every day brings new uh, realizations and also uh, new names and faces and friends and relatives of everyone we know. I think every Israeli here is aware and and is familiar and knows people who either themselves were lost in this uh, in this the events of Saturday or um, or uh, or or kidnapped, including many people from our movement, from the peace and human rights movement. And I think that's you know the fact that they were they have. Uh, these politics are certainly not relevant to the, their captivity, uh, but they are, I think, certainly relevant to the context in which this event occurred internally inside Israel, which is uh, a context of uh, almost a year, right, of uh, almost 10 months of a government that has been inciting against 
the left against uh, Israelis uh, who um, promote human rights, like myself and, and my colleagues, uh, and accusing us of various uh, accusations, including that we're, um, you know, in this whole conversation in the in, a, in the um, in the run up in the in the debate around the judicial coup, uh, and I think all of this is crucial because maybe one final point to mention in terms of again in terms of the context is that uh, this. Uh, um, um, attack, this terrible war crime perpetrated by Hamas has also exposed the total breakdown of a functioning government and public service structure in Israel, which many Israelis, myself included, but not just people from uh, the left or from the human rights movement, are uh, showing uh, was the result of the way this government has been functioning. I mean, on the uh, both on the individual level of ministers involved in you know only trying to promote this uh, this judicial coup but also in as a you know in the systematic breakdown of functioning uh, um, institutions in uh, prime minister netanyahu's attempt to um, to evade uh, his trial and maybe then one final issue which is a massive risk and i know some some wonderful interviews will discuss it later uh, a massive risk of in intra-escalation, internal escalation in our own society. Uh, and it's incredible to see Israelis and Palestinians, Jews and Arabs working now to avert this risk. So this is a very, very uh, short uh, description, I think, of what has been occurring. And a very powerful um, description it was too, Sarah. Um, in terms of now, in terms of what's obviously happening on the ground in Gaza, and in terms of the rhetoric that's coming from uh, the Israeli state, because you know, in the past, you will hear claims from the Israeli state, we don't target civilians, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but a lot of the rhetoric has been blood-curdling, I would say. And, and, and you know, for example, uh, uh, stating we, we are targeting for damage, not for accuracy. We will reduce Gaza to a city of tents. And, um, you know, just very vicious. And, and, and oh, we are fighting human animals. You know, kind of genocidal language, I would say. What does that tell us about the mentality? What because a ground invasion now seems likely. What does that tell us about? I mean, what do we know is happening? Firstly, on the ground, because I mean that's obviously very hard given the situation in Gaza to find out. But what are you hearing on the ground in Gaza, and 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 what given the rhetoric? So yeah, I mean the the rhetoric is also reflected in what we have seen happening on the ground, both in terms of the absolute broad and indiscriminate nature of the attack, the air, uh, the airstrikes that we see, uh, but also in terms of the, the absolutely, uh, you know, shocking uh, um, shutting off of any kind of humanitarian assistance and, and, and any kind of humanitarian services to Gaza. Uh, Israel shut off the, uh, the water and electricity that it sells on a normal basis to Gaza because there are virtually no potable water uh, drink drinkable in Gaza, not enough electricity for any kind of basic survival of the population. Uh, these are, I, I should also say that in Israel, in past Israeli operations, wars, you know, uh, against the population of the Gaza Strip, uh, there have been uh, indiscriminate attacks, attacks that we characterize were clearly indiscriminate and targeted civilians and the civilian population. But this level, this scope of attack and this level and scope of like a 
total negation of any sort of humanitarian need is unprecedented. And it is simply staggering. I mean, I, I think the... Um, uh, the real risk that two million residents of Gaza are going to have to deal with no electricity, no water, and no food, because food is also running out, is real. And this is not, it does not appear as if there is any action on behalf, certainly not of the Israeli government, but of the international community that gave Israel carte blanche with all of these support statements. There are no, it does not look like the international community is really accepting uh, that the result of, um, of, this, uh, of these uh, Israeli actions is a, an absolute devastation of the civilian population of two million human beings who are living in Gaza. I, I, I have to say that on an individual level, I have colleagues and I have uh, people who work with me and, and partners and friends, uh, and I've tried to talk to them and listen to them and the stories that are coming out both individually in these phone calls and also uh, in the media are just absolutely shocking. And people, these are people who are used to war upon war upon war and siege and, and uh, a, a living mm -hmm. something that they all describe as unprecedented. Uh, and I think, you know, what we've been trying to do at Betselim with our very, very minor ability is to say the very basic thing that I think any any person who um, cares about the humanity of ourselves as well as the humanity of others is that the horrors that have been inflicted on us cannot justify this sort of treatment of Palestinians. I understand that I'm in the minority currently as an Israeli. It's clear and we have to accept that and acknowledge the reality that many Israelis, the majority possibly of Israelis, are now asking for revenge, and this is what our government is doing. But I also know that there are many other Israelis, both Jews and Arabs, who do agree with me. And we've, we are making our voice heard on social media, and we are talking about how this is not the way, uh, beyond the fact that it's simply morally abhorrent uh, to have this policy of revenge, to exert revenge on two million civilians who, like myself, did not elect uh, the government that controls them have not have no control over this. Beyond that, it's also going to lead just to more and more carnage to a future where we can we are all just expected to kind of live through these periods uh, of horror and carnage without any kind of hope. So this is the message, and I know we're not we you know we're not we're few, um, but there are people who agree with us on both sides. And just a, just a couple of other things. We're very lucky to have you, and it's an extremely busy time for you, to say the least. I mean, Rohan Tolbert, who's director of advocacy and campaigns at Medical Aid for Palestinians here in Britain, and he says Gaza's health system has started to collapse. 1,354 killed, over 6,000 injured, savable cases due, dying due to lack of capacity, staff resources, beds, ICUs are filled, operating theatres are filled. There's not even enough space in the corridor. This is slaughter. And that's the point, isn't it? It's not just people, you know, it's the bombs that drop. But it's the fact that the entire health system is in a state of state of collapse. Absolutely. And on a very basic level, the lack of electricity means people cannot pump water up to their homes, the homes that are survived. Uh, many people I know who have either them, their own homes were just basically bombarded and don't exist any longer or have relatives trapped in, in, in homes that have collapsed without any ability to... A, a call for help to have any kind of like emergency services that will be somehow pulling them out of the rubble because there's virtually no capacity currently. Um, I, the, I just simply cannot uh, express enough how 
as an Israeli who has looked at people in my own country suffer such a horrific attack, I just none of this can provide any sort of uh, support, comfort or a future for us for as long as we continue to follow the same path of of uh, of revenge you know i i understand that currently there isn't a lot of willingness of people to hear both internationally and in israel but i do think that we have to work towards the escalation and we have to demand the international community has to pressure israel to accept a prisoner swap in order to bring these more or less 150 Israelis back home, this has to be the first step that could, I, I, I pray, I hope, lead possibly to de-escalation and certainly not to allow the additional escalation, which is happening also in the West Bank, uh, where Israeli settlers are simply using this opportunity to take over land, to forcibly transfer Palestinian herder communities while you know all of this is, is happening uh, around in the Gaza perimeter. And in Gaza. Sorry, I can't, I can't express my gratitude just for, for the time you've been able to spend with us. And, no, you know, I'm absolutely also um, so happy to be able to raise this voice and to, to you know, say these things. Thank you. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge honour. And for those who aren't aware of Betzalem's work, do look up uh, Betzalem and support them in any way you can, share their material. They're incredibly courageous and brave and we desperately need them. Um, more than ever. So thank you, Sarit, so, so much and all my love and solidarity. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it's hard to listen to. It's hard to listen to this, and it, you know, but we do have to listen to this. Um, I'm going to bring in now um, Saleh Abid, who we're very lucky to have, who is um, on st one, of the leading, one of the leaders of Standing Together, which brings together um, Arabs and Jews um, in Israel um, in the fight for peace. Um, Sally, I, I guess I wanted to start on a, just a basic human question, if you don't mind me asking, because you're a Palestinian who actually lives in Israel. What are your just thoughts from that vantage point? I mean, this is a, in terms of everything that's happened since Saturday, what's, what are the emotions that are going through your head? Um, I think we have a duality of experience, um, uh, that is um, very, very tough to navigate. Um, you know, we are experiencing um, the trauma, you know, our society, we live uh, within the Israeli society. Uh, as Sarit also said, you know, um, uh, many of our colleagues and, and partners uh, within uh, the, 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 the anti-occupation uh, community and social justice community uh, have been heavily directly impacted by this uh, some of them lost their lives some of them lost uh, loved ones some of them are currently uh, captives uh, in in gaza and um so we live this this fear uh, and insecurity um but we are also immediately um labeled traitors until proven loyal uh, within israeli society um it's a very difficult uh, situation to be in, um, yeah. in a sense that you are, uh, you know, you have to, you, you, we, there's no space for us to mourn uh, our people while we are also mourning, uh, you know, our friends and colleagues here. Um, and we are extremely worried, especially here in mixed cities. I mean, here in Haifa, um, you know, we are seeing many people 
and many organized groups getting armed and getting ready and, and you know, getting to go. Um, it's very scary to go on the streets and just speak Arabic and look around and just make sure that no one is actually having um, a reaction to it. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to articulate. Of course. Well, that was very powerfully done. Um, I was going to just show a quick clip from a doctor um, in Gaza, and I just wanted kind of your response to it. I know you've been also you've been on British media outlets. I have to apologize for that. Um, having worked in the British media now for 12 years. Um, um, we've got an interesting media ecosystem here. Let me just put this clip and just, just to get your response to this. We've heard the Israeli Prime Minister say this is only the beginning. Can you imagine what it is going to be like where you are if we go into week two, three, four, five, six? The beginning for the Palestinians was in '48, and it's been continuing for 75 years. My generation lived through the Israeli invasion and the siege of Beirut in 82, and we saw that destruction, 30,000 killed. It ended with the Israelis allowing the massacre of Sabra and Shatila. You know, yes. if the Israelis want to repeat that again, then this is going to be absolutely catastrophic. The reason I, I, I play that is context is often stripped completely from what happens um, in Palestine and Israel. Um, the British media often would news events generally act as they day, day one was last week and that's how this is treated is particularly because coverage only often happens when you get for example Hamas attacks in, in the way that they did um just in terms of that broader context though and why it's important to place it in that broader context and what that tells us about what will happen next in your view <sighs> You're like one step further, even, uh, you know, talking, contextualizing all of this um, in, in, in the continuous, uh, you know, efforts uh, to ethnically cleanse Palestinians, uh, you know, from their homeland. Um, uh, you know, Sarit mentioned, you know, what is happening right now in the West Bank. Uh, she is mentioning, um, you know, what is happening uh, in, in Gaza. We are seeing it all. Um, and um, just take it one step before that, if we want to equate, okay, between what is happening right now, you know, the atrocities conducted by Hamas, um, all of us uh, within the, Pal the Palestinian community, as well as the Palestinian Solidarity uh, Movement, you know, when we want to express, um, uh, you know, our uh, voice, we have to, it's conditional for us to condemn Hamas, as we should, um, you know, um, uh, but then I don't see any, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Israeli politicians going on um, on the media and asked to condemn the Israeli regime, mm -hmm. um, the very oppressive, violent, decades-long Israeli regime, and the fact that there are Jewish supremacists, openly Jewish supremacists, openly calling for the annihilation of Palestinians, not of Hamas, of Palestinians. Um, and um, I think, you know, this context um, that, that you're showing is something that has been, um, there is um, a monopoly over violence and there is a monopoly over morality um, that the West and the most powerful countries in the world, unfortunately, endorse. Um, and... Um, it's very difficult, you know, you, you can't even get out of that 
Mm. To, to go, you know, you don't even have the privilege to talk about 48. You have no privilege to talk about 67. You have no privilege. You know, I can't at the moment in Israel, you know, I don't have any right to do that. Um, you know, you are allowed to um, talk about, um, you know, we have no space to mourn for both of us uh, as people. Um, and, uh, you know, when we are looking at uh, the condemnation uh, contest, then Hamas, you know, is immediately uh, equated with all Palestinians. Therefore, they are all rendered, you know, animals and, you know, it's okay to kill as many as possible. Uh, and then we look at Israel and, you know, we have uh, a government um, uh, that is backing settler terrorism, that is expanding settlements, that is... Um, you know, mis displacing uh, thousands of Palestinians from their land and from their homes in the West Bank that is sieging Gaza, committing war crimes. And no one is expected to condemn that, uh, you know, while expressing solidarity for Israeli people as they should. They should express solidarity for, for, for Israeli. They should express solidarity for Israeli citizens we are all impacted by this and I want everyone to do that. And I think the Palestinian solidarity movement around the world, you know, I really invite everyone uh, to really um, uh, take a mo the moral stand uh, on that. Um, but we really need to insist on, you know, our demand. They, they, they created the rules you know, of condemnation and what is morality and what is not. They have the monopoly over morality and we need to demand from them to play by their own rules and they're not. I mean, what you said that I think just so brilliantly speaks to the core of the, your racist treatment, which is even as Palestinians have been killed in vast numbers, you have no permission to even talk about that. That if you, you were expected to just begin everything with... A condemnation of the actions of Hamas, and even that doesn't give you permission, does it? No, and, and let me be clear: I, I'm not condemning Hamas because I want to talk about the occupation. I'm condemning because I am extremely appalled because I'm personally impacted by this. Because I literally have colleagues right now. I've been going to funerals and to shivas, and I've been, you know, living the loss, the catastrophe uh, that my friends and my communities and, and my society is going through. Um, uh, it's just um, suffocating um, uh, uh, to see the the, the monopoly, uh, you know, here in Israel as well as around the world for morality um, and for over violence and what it means and what is justified and what is not justified. Um, and uh, it's it's suffocating. It's a very very small space to express ourselves. And and I really want to thank you for this platform. And I uh, um, want to say that you know, the, listening to Sarit as well, people really need to understand that the shared civil society within Israel. It's probably one of the very few places where we're able to ache and mourn both the loss of human lives, while also being extremely critical of our leaderships. Um, and this is exactly where we need to be. If we want to imagine a just and equal 
uh, place, a future for all of us. Um, you know, we need to learn to mourn people uh, and really uh, without endorsing any um, oppressive regime. Um, and, and I really want to bring that here, you know, here uh, in civil society, shared civil society is one of the most important things that we can strengthen right now. I mean, can I ask you in terms of, for example, talking about the West Bank, um, now we know settlers are being armed. We know yesterday that there was an attack by settlers which killed four Palestinian civilians. And then at the funeral today, mourners were shot and a father and a, and a child and, and a father and their son was, was, was shot dead. Mm -hmm. um, that isn't framed as terrorism, um, for example, by Western politicians, not even remarked upon. But what are your fears in terms of the West Bank, where we have huge numbers of illegal settlements, the mass colonization, the theft of Palestinian land, the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from their land, which has been happening, of course, for many, many decades. But what's your fears about what this will mean for the West Bank? It's terrifying. Uh, you know, on Saturday, we were all in shock trying to understand the magnitude of, of the attack here. Um, and the second um, thought I had was like, like, what is going Like, I literally was like, they're going to, there's going to be a slaughterhouse in the West Bank. Everyone's going to go to the, everyone's going to go to, to, to Gaza right now for an invasion, for a retaliation. And the West Bank, you know, that the Palestinians there are just going to be, um, you know, for themselves against, you know, settlers, armed settlers, heavily armed settlers who are probably backed by some of the soldiers as well who are left there. Um, I think what we are going to witness is just uh, a deepening um, of, of, the, uh, of the military control. Uh, it's going to be a deepening of the violence escalation of the brutal violence that um, the Palestinians uh, go through in the West Bank by settlers and by um, uh, uh, army, the Israeli army. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of more uh, evacuations and displacements um, um, and more posts and settlements uh, being uh, done there. Um, it's... it's uh, uh, it's very concerning. Just the other thing I wanted to talk about, you're, you're part, obviously, of the peace movement, an attempt to bring together Palestinians and Jews together. I mean, that's that's what standing together does. Um, on the one hand, you have a policy of collective punishment being meted out by a far-right government, which has the active and unconditional support of Western powers. Um, you also, I mean, you know, this is important to talk about, and... Um, I saw a comment which was about apartheid and Betzalem and the human rights organization as well as Amnesty International Human Rights Watch term the oppression of the Palestinians as a form of apartheid. And apartheid ended um, through struggle, but also the sense that white South Africans had that they wouldn't be killed in the event of um, apartheid ending. And I just think with those two facts thrown in, that you have a, an increasingly radicalized Majority, majority of the population, they want vengeance, the mass dehumanization of the Palestinian people. And also now in the aftermath of what happened, that sense of the idea of, well, you know, making the argument of the peace movement of, of living together has become much harder, which was a precondition for the fall of apartheid. 
what is what happens next? What happens next for a peace movement which has been increasingly besieged over the last few years? Oh, when you're asking very tough questions. I, know. <laughs> um, I think you know I'm crying because I feel like I've never felt um you know people are always admiring um uh, how much we are able to maintain hope how much we're able to maintain our ability our belief in our ability to change um and I think in my years of activism and looking at my colleagues around me so devastated um uh, and it's just so raw still uh, i think this is the least that we have believed in our ability to change um but i also know that i don't have the privilege to lose that belief um i think you know if you really look there are bright spots uh, you know, we have at Standing Together from since Saturday um, have been organizing, um, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And, and we hope to get to 10,000 of people in um, Jewish Arab solidarity watches uh, here in mixed cities, in mixed areas. Um, and we are trying to do mutual aid. We're trying to really strengthen our communities um, and really create an alternative of what we see uh, can happen. And, you know, our government is not giving us an alternative. The only answer they have for us is revenge and flattening Gaza and, and you know, killing people. And I think many people here uh, in Israel, um, um, I want to believe that many people in Israel see that that's not the solution. Um, I know that um, people are heated right now. Um, and they are unfortunately uh, condoning um, the atrocities being done uh, in, in, in Gaza. Um, I do think that we have the ability uh, to build the political will within the Israeli society um, to look at this differently, to shift the paradigm. Um, you know, um, I do, you know, that the context just before the war um, was um, a mass protest, uh, you know, of tens, hundreds of thousands of people against the current government, Israeli government. And we are still seeing these voices, you know, being heard uh, about uh, this government failing to prioritize our security while uh, prioritizing expansion, uh, you know, settlement expansion and, and backing settlers mm -hmm. in the West Bank and, and creating an impossible reality for us here uh, to be secure. Uh, and uh, I do believe in our ability to shift that paradigm, not only about, not only through talking about peace, but also, you know, standing together works into connecting social justice uh, issues and really understanding how we can build a new majority in Israeli society that understands that the majority of the people that live here, Palestinians and Jews, have the, the interest and the right for equality, for social justice, for prosperous uh, society and for peace. It's in our interest. Uh, and I think this, uh, uh, um, you know, the catastrophe that the Israeli society has been experiencing uh, these past uh, six days, um, I hope that we will be able to highlight the urgent need uh, 
for us to build the resistance within Israeli society for peace. You know, we see um, the father of abducted children. We, we see uh, the... Um, a sister of a killed uh, activist who are calling saying we don't want you know further killing in the name of of our children just bring them back we just want peace this invasion and these war crimes and further killing of palestinians is just not going to get us anywhere and i really hope i really hope and maybe i'm 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 uh, naive um, that we will be able that this will be a junction where we will move towards a place where we will build um, a larger, a stronger political will within the Israeli society that will challenge our leadership and and replace it into one that can actually advance um, better, more humane uh, policy. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Salah, I just want to say thank you so, so much. That was incredibly powerful. And I can't even believe the the the, the level of courage um, right now for those of you fighting um, for peace in the environment you're in is is astonishing. Um, and I hope you know that there are those of us in actually greater numbers than ever now, I would say, um, in these countries who will who will stand without equivocation behind you. And it's so important we keep talking and, and elevating your voices. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you so, so much and love and solidarity. Thank um, you so much, Owen. Thank you so much. Lots of love. Take care, Sally. And thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. Um, incredible stuff there from Sally. It's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it, to just listen to, uh, to what's happening on the ground. It's, it's the coming days and weeks are going to be far worse than what's already passed. And it's important we're honest about that. Um, and it's important that we listen to these voices in these countries as we build solidarity. Now, I'm going to bring in now, uh, we have been running a bit late, but we've been obviously have these incredible voices. I'm bringing in Yanal Jabarin, who is a Palestinian activist based in Jerusalem. Yanal, I'm so sorry that we've, we've been a bit delayed. Uh, talking, but I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And you're, you're based in Jerusalem. Yeah. That's right. Um, well, Jack, can I just take first your, I mean, as a Palestinian, just give me your, just your general sense of the last few days. If you can just talk to me just from the heart, how you feel, was, you know, your, your instinctive response to the last few days. Well, uh, in Saturday, the bombs were in Jerusalem, I think in eight o'clock. Uh, Saturday, it's the last day in the Sukkot. Uh, 
uh, I mean, Bez, uh, and all of us were, were uh, in Jerusalem like Shabbat. And there was nothing to do in uh, Jerusalem in Shabbat. But in eight o'clock, I was awake, uh, but all the bombs, all of the rocks, uh, I heard everything, and I just need to uh, down and down and uh, make to all my neighborhood to go go out their uh, their homes. Uh, I was afraid. Uh, it was uh, the first day, I think, and uh, it was I don't know what what happened, where it happened. Uh, I just know that we in Jerusalem have a lot of bombs. Uh, after that, we go back uh, to see television. Uh, I see the the news. I'm a journalist, and I see all of the news. It's uh, so horrible, so difficult to to imagine what happened there. And after that, uh, it took me to uh, like two days uh, to write the first thing that I um, uh, think about. Thought about. Uh, I think I write uh, the first thing. It was horrible to 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 see and uh, know. Uh, a lot of uh, stories there in Saturday in the south, uh, just like, not just uh, the party, also in the village and the kibbutz uh, there. Um, and after that, I also as a Palestinian, I uh, have to know what happened in Gaza uh, because uh, the IDF, the soldiers, uh, also bombs in Gaza now, uh, like five days. And uh, it, I'm in a difficult situation. Uh, as an Arab, as an Israeli, as a Palestinian, uh, I am. I have two hats: the hat of uh, an Israeli. Uh, a lot of my my friends uh, was in the party. Uh, my friends were uh, also uh, were live in the south of uh, Israel. Also, my uh, uh, my journalist uh, colleagues are living in Gaza. Uh, I have always uh, talking with them all the time. And it was so difficult uh, to hear from them also stories. Uh, that was uh, very, very difficult for me to be uh, in this situation. Uh, two hats, uh, a Palestinian and an Israeli. Uh, my uh, people in, as a Palestinian and my uh, neighborhoods, my friends as an Israeli. Can you tell me, in terms of over the last few days, I know civil society organizations have been active on the ground and something is planned for tomorrow and Friday. Can you just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, the community here in Israel uh, prepared very good. Uh, where is the state? Where is the soldiers? Where is the government didn't do? Uh, the state uh, do it. Uh, the, 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 the community, the community uh, do it. The organizations do it. Uh, they just have a lot of uh, people, uh, volunteers, uh, to make a lot of uh, stations to help soldiers, to help uh, in the south, uh, Bedouin and Jewish, uh, to help all of, all of the poor guys uh, already in the south. Uh, the south uh, is the poorest uh, uh, area in uh, Israel, and the uh, toys, um, papers, uh, uh, psychologies, uh, also players of, of soccer teams go uh, to the south, and after that, all of the southern people go to uh, hotels uh, in Elat, in uh, Tel Aviv, and here in Jerusalem, uh, and that's how we go. We can also uh, easily go there and be with them, uh, but 
in uh, I think also the second thing we are, we are doing is to calm the, calm the situation here as well. We don't uh, want uh, to it's, we start uh, as it was like uh, in uh, 2021 uh, May uh, when it was uh, very very uh, difficult to see it uh, in here in Israel between Arab and people and uh, Jewish people. We just have to calm the, the teenagers. We have to calm the uh, the students. We have to calm all the community Arab community here uh, and tell them. We just have to um, uh, remember we are also a citizen. We just we not just like uh, a Palestinian. We are also a citizen here in Israel. We have to be uh, uh, at the law, at the Israel law, uh, to uh, have uh, to talk, to post, to tweet, but just in the law, not talk about uh, Israel as a, a criminal criminal war or uh, apartheid or also or anything because of the uh, this this situation here in israel this time uh, hamas started the war hamas started the the murder of the um, israeli uh, people uh, and uh, we just have to uh, figure it out uh, we are uh, uh, one citizens uh, as a citizens here in israel we just have to do it uh, as a citizens, also, uh, if we want to cre to critical uh, the Israeli people and the government people. Yeah, and I'll just to say thank you so much for joining us. I know you're just on mobile phone as you're running around, so I really, really appreciate it and and, and solidarity. And please, you can follow Yanal Jabarin on social media, so please do that. But, uh, but Yanal, thank you honestly so much. I really appreciate you joining thank us. You. Very sure. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Um, and finally, last but not least, um, I'm going to bring in um, Hamza Ali Shah, who is a Palestinian uh, journalist based here in Britain. Um, often read your stuff, Hamza. So it's really brilliant to be able to have you join us like this. Um, thank you very much. I just want to start, if it's okay. I know you've been doing um, media, British media. Lucky you, as ever. We are blessed, blessed with that ecosystem. I want to start with this, actually, because I think it's so shocking. It just tells us a little bit about, I think it's a good jumping point, which is an interview on Newsnight with Hussam Zomlot, who is who heads the Palestinian mission. We don't have a, an embassy because Palestinian statehood is not accepted. It isn't realized. Uh, we have a mission and he's that he heads that. And he was being interviewed by Kirsty Walker Newsnight. Let's just listen to this clip. Now, of course, there's more than 800 dead in Gaza including members of your own extended family. What Do you know what happened to them? They were just sitting at their home and they were simply bombarded. Their entire building was brought down. Uh, my cousin, uh, Aya, her two children, her husband, her uh, mother-in-law and two other uh, relatives uh, died immediately, were killed instantly. And two of her youngest children, uh, a twin, two years old, are now in intensive uh, care. This is uh, truly uh, heartbreaking. And the issue here, uh, Kirsty, is that they have no bankers, they have no iron dome, they have nowhere to go. They are simply sitting ducks for the Israeli war machine. I'm sorry for your own personal loss. I mean, can I just be clear, though, you cannot condone the killing of civilians in Israel, can you, nor the kidnapped no, we don't families? Condone. No, we don't condone. And we are very clear, uh, 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 Kirsty. We reject uh, any targeting or harming. 
Um, the, the video froze there for some reason of mine, but I think when people could hear the audio, which was sufficient, I just don't know where to start there. Um, he was talking about the mass killing of his own family, and a journalist said, oh, yeah, sorry if you lost. Anyway, are you going to condemn the mass murder of Israelis? What does that say? I mean, just, you know, you're, you're, you're a Palestinian, you're here in Britain watching this coverage unfold. What does that tell us about the way that one incident, about the way this, this is being covered? I think it's a confirmation with what Palestinians have always thought of, which is that we are considered second-class citizens, or at least um, our, our lives are not worthy, because she's the premise that the presenter is, um, is speaking from is, is on the basis of innocent civilians being being murdered, which, of course, everybody, everybody there's nobody that is actively celebrating, or at least nobody rational anyway. Um, but then he then he's just emphasized that he's lost his own, you know, Palestinians have lost civilians, his family have have been murdered as well. And that's just kind of relegated to a secondary status. It's seen as not not as important um as as the other lives. And I think that, that summarizes and sums up the kind of the logic that has you know dictated much of the conversation on this, um, which is that Palestinian lives are kind of they're considered fair game. The the death, destruction, murder, and trauma inflicted on Palestinians is considered fair game. Um, whereas it's you know it's it's unspeakable and it's um, abominable that uh, Israeli innocent civilians die, and it should just be the same barometer applied and the same standards set for both um, for both civilians and both both parties. But obviously that's not the case. Um, I mean, are you in terms of talking to people back in in the occupied territories in in, in Israel? I mean, what what are the kind of stories you, you're you're hearing that are coming off the ground that it's important that we talk about? It's just a, fit, it's a sense of helplessness, but at the same time, especially people in Gaza, it's the sense of, you know, we haven't even recovered from the previous round of bombardment. This one's more vicious. This is a newer round. But it's the same feeling. It's it's a feeling of helplessness. It's the fact that, from what they say, this will eventually perhaps subside and it will perhaps wane. But in the end, there will be more infrastructure that will be destroyed. Um, more children have died. I mean, four in five children already live with depression, grief in, in Gaza. And this is only going to compound those matters. And in the West Bank, it's the same thing. It's the fact that this is a product of Israel's um, 75 years of, you know, multifaceted uh, oppression. It's systematic ethnic cleansing. That is where that is why we are where we are. And too too often we keep viewing things from the framework of, you know, what happened four days ago um, or the, the Saturday that Saturday morning, which of course is an important moment or an important junction. But the bottom line is that this came about as a result um, of, you know, decades of, you know, the siege on Gaza, the, the occupation of Palestine. Um, the West Bank, you've got kind of the creeping annexation, the increasing settlements, the, the number of uh, prisoners detained without charge or trial, the number of Palestinians that were murdered this year before Hamas even begin, began devising a plan um, to breach the, the border. So this is an ongoing um, system of, of, you know, Israeli oppression and systematic ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians, which has been so normalised. And it, it's really it's shocking to see um, figures here, particularly in Britain, from that you expect better from very irresponsible um, sentiments. And, and like I said, the, the feeling, the feeling back home is it's it's the same. It's helplessness. Um, I've spoken to to fellow journalists or fellow um, people in the field who are who have family back home. And they've said, we've well, there's no electricity. We've sent WhatsApp messages and we don't know if they'll ever reply. We don't know. That may be the last message we've sent. And these are things that even as we we speak out loud, it's you know, it's, it's incomprehensible. It's, it's it's like something out of a sick movie. And yet it's people's daily lives. Um, I mean, just in terms of that, the stripping away of context, I mean, the British media generally starts 
day one with any event um, as being, sorry, day one being three days ago um, and, and tends to strip context from, from everything. But this is obviously particularly the case since you get coverage when Israeli civilians are killed or Israelis are killed. And obviously, as we've said, it's horrendous when, when that happens. That isn't afforded to Palestinians. So this year, 248 Palestinians were killed, 40 of them children before um, what currently happened. And obviously there was almost no coverage whatsoever of that. I mean, just in terms of, I mean, you know, that, that stripping away of context, there was a media study a few years ago um, and it found that a significant chunk of the population thought that Palestine was occupying Israel. And that, I know that sounds astonishing and many people will find that maybe difficult to believe, but that's what the, the, the findings found. And that had a lot to do with the framing of media coverage, where you often get reactive coverage, the incidents involving, for example, Israeli life, whilst with Palestinian life, we, we just don't, let alone occupation, let alone apartheid. I mean, the fact that Amnesty International Human Rights Watch and Israeli human rights organisation Betzlem, amongst many others, call it apartheid. If you try saying that on a national media organisation, well, I've tried it, you know the pushback is extreme i mean that that make, that's what the challenge isn't it it's just the con the, any context based on fact is stripped away yeah and it's and it's the fact that for example we use an example in the in the labor party and people always you know latch and you know it's more than anyone they'll say oh why are you holding the labor party higher to a higher standard than the conservative party because the conservative party does what it says on the tin they are ruthless in, in their in their world the labor party is supposed to be an internationalist party a progressive party one that stands and supports liberation and freedom for for everybody irrespective of race creed color whatever it might be and yeah there is a double standard applied um when it comes to when it comes to palestine's Keir Starmer, um about a year and a half ago maybe longer rejected with an interview with jewish chronicle uh, rejected the use of the word apartheid now he's a former human rights lawyer he knows how forensic and rooted in law um and you know conclusive research these reports are and he just rejects them um casually just because for whatever reason you know it might be he's conflating it he said because this is a new party and you know this is a new but who said you have to you know this is a complete dereliction of duty who said anything to do with criticizing israel anything to do with anti-semitism and the new look of the party that you're that you're after um so in britain like you said it's there's palestinians are never given a voice and as the ambassador or the head of the mission um pointed out um brilliantly on on the media numerous times it's the fact that like you said we've had um several palestinians murdered this year um, several homes demolished, communities displaced, settler violence has gone up um, at, it's at a record level. We've seen more, more annexation, more settlements erected in the West Bank. At no point have I seen anybody on BBC Sky or elsewhere being asked to condemn uh, Israel's actions. And that, and then suddenly something happens, which is like a, a flashpoint, which they, that, like you said, that starts a conflict off for them. That is now the starting point um, for all intents and purposes. And it's deliberately, it's a deliberate, inaccurate reading of history. Just that point about the Labour Party, and I'm just going to show a clip now uh, from Emily Thornbury, who's the Shadow Attorney General. Pretty important because that means she sets the tone of the legal position of the Labour Party. She's also my local MP, I should say. Um, I've known her for many years. Let's just play this clip on Newsnight. Do you think cutting off food, water and electricity is within international law? I think that Israel has an absolute right to defend itself That's against terrorism. That's not the question I asked. It is an answer to the question that, that you've asked, and I think it's an appropriate one at this time. She was asked about a war crime. I mean, it's, it, what she was asked was, 
do you think Israel has the right to commit war crimes? That's essentially what she was asked. It is illegal under international law to impose collective punishment. It is illegal under international law to cut off food, um, electricity and water from a civilian population. And the shadow attorney general of the British Labour Party uh, sat there and responded that Israel has an absolute right uh, to defend itself. I mean, that is the Labour Party leadership lining up in support of war crimes against a civilian population. And I should note, actually, that the um, uh, there's been a resignation. Let me just make sure I get the uh, the title right of the resignation. Oh, yeah. So it's the young Labour's BAME officer um, has just resigned, saying it is with a heavy heart that today I've handed in my resignation for my role as the young Labour BAME officer. As a Palestinian with direct family in Gaza, I'm absolutely appalled by the comments made to LBC by the leader of the Labour Party, my local MP, Keir Starmer. This is another interview. He said that Israel has the right to withhold water and electricity. Collective punishment is a war crime under international law. This position was then reaffirmed by Emily Thornberry. I've spent the last few days worried about the safety of my family. With electricity now cut off and communication limited, these worries are only exacerbated. I received zero support from the Labour Party, a common theme experienced by Muslim, other Muslim Palestinian uh, members. The comments from the leadership this week have been the last straw. I can only conclude the Labour Party is no longer a safe space for Palestinians and Muslims. And that is Lubaba Khalid. Just your response to that. Yes, it's unsurprising. And it's a sentiment I've had people message me over the last few days and reach out and say, Do you know what, this is, is, I think it's about time that we, we hold the Labour leadership to account because this is this has been a long time coming. The, if you remember the Batley and Spen um, by-election, the way that I think there was a there was a comment once from one of the journalists who said this is about Palestine, not Peter. It's, be, it's become about Palestine, not Peter for the Labour Party, this obsession. And, you know, like I said, it's the dehumanisation of Palestinians and, and Keir Starmer himself and the leadership around him and the key figures have for a long time um neglected and overlooked the palestinian cause um and that, as, as we mentioned the rejection of the word apartheid and the continuous you know the, when when the, the numerous rounds in which israel has pummeled gaza since kistan became a uh, leader it's the same robotic recitations that he that he transmits you know he says um israel has the right to defend itself um emily formby's comments there again she's not alone because david lammy was on um was on lbc um when asked and he said i back a ground invasion now Gaza is widely recognised as an open-air prison. It's it's considered by UN Secretary General um, as hell on earth. Why on earth is, is David Lammy asking for a humanitarian catastrophe to be made worse? A ground invasion would be detrimental to every to to unleash um, carnage on a scale perhaps unseen in Gaza. Even in Gaza, it's unseen. And and so this is like it seems like this is the top line from the from the Labour Party, and it's it's a complete dereliction of duty. It's a, it's an encouragement and. Um, you know, green lighting uh, war crimes, and as, as I said, as, as as the hypocrisy of the uh, European Commission in a, I think, a tweet you shared, uh, von der Leyen um, last year, calling you know starving populations as a war crime, and you know imposing that on when it was Russia, and now they can't commit to the same sentiments when it's when it's um, happening in in Gaza. So I think that we'll be we'll see a lot of reactions, not just from the Labour Party, but broadly where people are effectively fed up and this may be the last straw for a lot of people but I from a personal experience have just in the last I guess 40 hours people have reached out and I've spoken to people who've said the line coming from the Labour Party is um is you know it's it's the it's the straw that broke the camel's back and my my automatic response is well it should have been ages ago but obviously um the Labour Party now I suspect this will be um a major issue for a lot of for a lot of people who otherwise might have given Labour Party benefit of the doubt. And finally, just in terms of, for those of us who support um, standing in solidarity with the Palestinian people in this really bleak, dark moment, there is a demonstration in London, a national demonstration, which I'll be taking part in, and I hope everyone listening or watching to this, if they listen or watch 
it before Saturday join and take part and spread the word as much as possible. Um, also in terms of donating to, um, uh, uh, in particular to um, uh, Medical Aid for Palestine and and other and such organisations. Um, what would you what would you call on people right now? People, those of us who stand in solidarity for Palestine, who are in, for example, Britain or in the global north, what's what's what do you think is so crucial as a Palestinian speaking to to, to that to that broader audience? I think um, we've seen you know we've seen attempts to at least uh, fight back against some of the narratives. I think I think that's important, even though a lot of people have said you know the media is you know is, is controlled and the dominant narrative will prevail, but actually. Um, even just having discussions like these and standing sort of down to checking up on on Palestinians, loved ones, people who, people who are um, you know enduring these these realities, and and obviously I know there is a particular um, campaign that's being particularly targeted. There are attempts to silence, but wherever it might be, if you check out you know Palestine solidarity campaign, the work they're doing, the work that they encourage, whether it's boycotts, um, the divestment, etc., different different nonviolent forms of resistance. Um, there are there are a lot of things ongoing, and I know Britain is camping down on a lot of these avenues, but it's 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 instilling that fear and we shouldn't um we shouldn't give in to that fear there are a lot of avenues like you said there are protests there are you know even just new media and getting your voice out there and um, demonstrations um at the local level um student level as well engaging with, with with people and and like i said it's it's just challenging that dominant narrative and um standing solidarity with the palestinians because it's clear that they're short of allies um, in the international community so where what role we can play um, is paramount Hamza, I just want to say thank you so, so much for joining us at really, really short notice. To follow Hamza on Twitter, you can do that. Hamza underscore A96, um, including articles he writes for the likes of uh, Tribune, Navarra, Dazed, Byline Times, Left Foot Forward. It's really important at the moment that we elevate elevate uh, Palestinian voices, and I'll be doing that uh, myself um, on social media and on my channel, podcast, and so on. And I hope I hope that, that others, however small or big your platform is, will will try and do the same because that's what's that's what's needed so desperately at the moment. But honestly, Hamza, I really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Solidarity is over and um, I will be myself. In fact, I'm just retweeting your latest article, just uh, uh, pushing your work as best I can. Uh, but cheers, Hamza, and solidarity. Appreciate that. And and like I said, it's, it's it doesn't go unnoticed a lot of the work. I've had people reach out, family members, honestly, have said, like shared clips and be like, I watch this is of Owen Jones, I've watched his clips, I've shared his clips. So it doesn't go unnoticed. And like the last point I made, these small things do matter and platform Palestinians. We're sure of allies and, and the work you do is is vitally important and very much appreciated. Well, it should just be the bare minimum, to be honest, but thank you. And um, if only we had a different media ecosystem where where we had more voices who were prepared to do that and were working on it. So, you know, people like yourself. All right, take care, Hamza. I'll speak to you soon. Pleasure. Take care. Um, brilliant stuff there. Oh, sorry, I've trapped. Hamza's taken over. That was a coup. I just let Hamza take over the whole channel. Take care. I'll speak to you soon. Um, brilliant stuff there. Um, I'm just going to go through some of the super chats. And I was going to go through them with some of the guests, but I didn't. Uh, I'm just, it was so important that we just let them speak as, obviously, as long as possible. Um, hello there. A lot of what's happening here and indeed around the world is due to Western and British imperial intervention. Do you know what? I mean, yes, absolutely. And that obviously goes particularly here. I mean, you used to have the, the, the mandate in Palestine under British rule. And I have to say, we're going to do some basic historical lessons here, guys. Um, what happened there? I don't know if obviously people, again, context, a few days generally applied to what's happening here. Uh, self-described Zionist militias undertook 
terrorist bombing campaigns in the run-up to the foundation of Israel. Not something you get heard about. Take the Ergen, for example, who bombed the King David Hotel in 1948 and killed around 90 uh, uh, mostly civilians um, uh, who are now venerated by the Israeli government and their leading figures ended up prime minister and the like. Um, erased from history because, you know, there's almost a sense of, well, well there's a difference here in terms of how the Palestinians, have, uh, what they've done and, and, and what's come before them. But civilians were targeted in terrorist attacks by, amongst others, those who founded the State of Israel. Um, and what we've seen throughout, I'm afraid, the world is the role of the British Empire historically um, in terms of carving up land and, 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 and the conflicts it's exacerbated and left behind and nurtured. Um, and of course, the way the West has behaved for much of the last few decades, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, and of course, Palestine with their support of Israel. It's very important we make this, people don't like history, do they? Often don't like that historical context, but you cannot understand the evil, the horrors of this world, unless we look at what came before it. It's really important that you made that point. David Baratta, what is the likelihood of this war spiraling into a much larger conflict across the Middle East? I think is a really important point. And the problem is so much misinformation is flying around at the moment, you know, in terms of, you know, you get reports of incursions from Lebanon and then it turns out not to be the case. Um, but there is a danger of a war that broadens and involves, you know, Syria, Lebanon, Iran. Um, it's, it's, very, it's very disturbing and worrying. And, you know, we don't know. Um, you know, there's the point as well about what happens in terms of, in terms of talk about Egypt. Um, because I know though there was some talking sometimes, you know, from a good place um, about um, Egypt taking in refugees from Gaza, but there's a danger of just the entire population of Gaza being emptied and a new Nakba, Nakba is the catastrophe, as the Palestinians call it, in 1948, when they're driven from their homes. And you get a new Nakba where they're driven from Gaza and they never come back. And they're driven into the Sinai Desert, which is what Egypt believes, actually, whatever I think about the Egyptian regime, by the way, which is an abhorrent dictatorship in its own right. Um, but yeah, that's that's also a danger which we need to need to be very, very clear about. Um, FSM is a dog, far-right politician siding with the far-right government. Look, it's important to point out it's a far-right government because you know what? What's so astonishing? You know what? You could almost, you know, before Israel decades ago had at least this image of having this kind of like, you know, the Zionist socialist, the kibbutz, the kibbutz and all the rest of it. Um, this kind of progressive sort of veneer, even though it was based on the deprivation of Palestinians' right to national self-determination. This is a far-right government. I mean, you've got essentially, you know, self-described centre-left politicians uh, cheering on a government what to the right of Donald Trump. I mean, you know, they, that's what, you know, when they're talking about solid stand with Israel, there's a far-right government which is talking in the way you'd expect far-right government to talk about in terms of how they dehumanize the Palestinian people and they're talking about unleashing unspeakable horrors. But yeah, it's, you know, it's not just far-right politicians. I'm sorry, it's an important point to make. It's people who clearly aren't. Whatever I think about Margaret Hodge, she's not far-right. And she says, well, I don't stand with the, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu's government, I've always opposed it. Um, and yet found it an affront to talk about the reality for the Palestinian people. Um... Dingus Van Sant, Labour's horribly weakening to response to this crisis left me feeling unlikely to spoil my ballot in the next general election. Well, I can more than sympathise with that. I'm going to do a video shortly about what Labour has said because it really needs a response. 
Um, Kieran Buckley, Hamas attacks were unjustifiable, but politicians and regular people wanting to see normal Palestinians by suffering killed is truly sickening. Agreed. Um, FSM is the dog. Supporters of Ukraine support Israel. Go figure. Well, look, I support Ukraine's right to um, defend itself from an illegal and a brutal invasion by Russia. But yeah, I mean, the point that was actually made before, actually really um, uh, important point. Let me just bring up, this is um, Ursula. Uh, hold on. Let me just, did I bring this up before? I'm not sure. It's been a long, it's been, it's been, a, it's been, it's been a long show and it's important, obviously, that we that we talk about this at great length. But anyway, Ursula von der Leyen, who is the the uh, the uh, the European president of the uh, sorry the president of the EU Commission, um, and she tweeted yesterday at the dawn of Shabbat last Saturday, the whole world woke up in horror. The terrorist attacks by Hamas is an act of war. And we fully support Israel's right to defend itself. Europe stands with Israel in this tragedy. Now she tweeted. A few months ago, Russia's attacks against civilian infrastructure, especially electricity, are war crimes. Cutting off men, women, and children of water, electricity, and heating, winter coming, these acts are pure terror, and we have to call it as such. I mean, we're, it's beyond, you cannot make the shit up, to be blunt. Um, Kov F channel, I mean, just love to have you on YouTube channel. I'll probably have to check what the channel is. Uh, DM me on Twitter, I will look out for that DM. Um, thank you for emphasizing what should not be controversial. War crimes are war crimes, no matter who they're committed against. Amen. It's time for more ambitious BDS campaign is Israel. Well, I think to be honest, it's just about building broader support for the existing BDS campaign, which is boycott, divestment, and sanctions, modeled on the movement against um, apartheid in South Africa. David Ratter, why does the median Western government turn a blind eye to and even support the atrocities committed by Israel? Well, yeah, I mean, Israel is a strong, staunch ally of the West. I mean, it's, just, it's not just unique to Israel, this. Look at Saudi Arabia, head-chopping, murderous dictatorship, which deprives women of basic rights, which beheads gays and dissidents, which dismembers journalists, which carpet bonds Yemen and slaughters children. You know, oh, Turkey, I saw, Tur you know, the er Erdogan, the, uh, the autocratic leader of, uh, of Turkey, grandstanding actually against Israel and talking about, you know, how it's a war, war crime against Gaza. What agreed, but look how that lot, how his lot, his regime treats the Kurds. Um, so it's important, you know, this is a, a question of, of allies of the West and their behavior um, in, in, in a general sense. State death, persecution on any side is appalling, especially when the corrupt West has your back. I mean, that's the point. That's why people go, well, what about Hamas? What about Hamas? Well, we condemned Hamas over and over again. Hamas is not armed and backed by us. Israel is. Very important point. And finally, Deborah, I said, thank you for speaking out for Palestine and speaking the truth on TV and your platform. You're a hero. I'm not a hero. <laughs> thank you, David. Not a hero. But we do need more voices to speak out. Um, and I won't stop doing so. But, you know, I'm trying to elevate other voices, but I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate everyone, everyone's brilliant, insightful thoughts and comments. And I really appreciate all our guests. It's run on late and I don't, I hate eating into, into Navarra's time. So I'm going to suggest you all go to Navarra now. And um, I will be doing lots of these interviews and videos about Palestine. We're going to do our best to offer an alternative um, and to offer a platform to voices who are otherwise ignored. So important right now. Um, and we do, you know, let's make sure we'll, any of us who can attend the demonstration on Saturday in London, uh, if we can donate. I'm gonna, I'll try to do a video to encourage people to donate. Um, gruesome stuff, but it's important, important, isn't it, to speak out. And um, especially when you have a united political establishment abandoning the Palestinian people in this desperate, desperate time. All right, guys. Thank you so, so much, everyone. Lots of love. Press like and subscribe. You can keep the channel going as ever on patreon.com forward slash owenjones84. Um, and I look forward to, to speaking to you all soon. Take care. Lots of love.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.